How many of you like interruptions? Zero hands. Same here. Do not. I do not. In fact, uh, I would even go as far as to say that it's one of my pet peeves <laughs> is, is interruptions because it's one of those things that's uh, kind of universal that nobody really likes interruptions per se. Um, but I absolutely hate them. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram One kind of person. Uh, you know, I plan and prepare and I have lists and I have, uh, you know, preparations and, and there's an aspect of me that is a perfectionist in certain things. And so everything has its place and its time and, and all of that. And so interrupting for me is, is kind of the worst, or at least it can be. Um, and so I have to really kind of center myself with the Lord um, when plans go wrong and I have to pivot and I have to maybe lead differently. Um, but I'm also the type that feels the need to reform and to, uh, to, to have I've, I've very much a missional kind of mindset. That's sort of how I am as a, as a person, this sense of mission to make things better, to make things, uh, to, to help things to improve. And so I know that I need to improve in dealing with interruptions in my life, especially when God interrupts my life. And, and I can be so structured sometimes that I don't really leave room for God to move um, in a different direction. And here's the thing. I know I'm not the only one in the room. I know that because as I'm explaining this and I'm, and I'm kind of being transparent here with everybody in terms of like where, I'm, where I need some help here, I know for a fact that if you're watching online and you're here, that there's a whole lot of us, a whole lot of us here that are like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Especially because that's kind of the life that, that that's the society, that's the world in which we live. Everything is, is so planned out and, and we don't have enough time for anything. Um, in fact, if you ask somebody how they're doing, how often do you hear or do you respond, man, I'm busy, right? All, everybody, literally all of us. We're going to look at divine interruptions over the next four weeks. This idea of divine interruptions, and, and we're going to look at, at the unexpected moments, the unexpected moments in Jesus' ministry, the unexpected moments that are there, Jesus' reaction to people, his reaction to the disruptions that happened around him can really help us recognize God's sovereignty in so many aspects of our life and of our world. And, and sovereign, God being sovereign, that, that means supreme power and ultimate authority. And so God is sovereign. He has supreme power and ultimate authority over everything. And so understanding that means that the interruptions that happen to him, that happen in life, that happen in our world, uh, they are divine appointments. They're, he's never surprised. Uh, he's always got the time to invest in those moments. There's, there's never a, a thought that he's like, I didn't see that coming. Um, so we can learn from that. We can see how, how Jesus uses accidents, if you will, and interruptions for his glory. And, and we can find that his grace and his divine interruptions that occur uh, in, in our own life and, and how we can handle that because it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And so let me start with this, that following Jesus is really the biggest interruption of all. Following him is the biggest interruption in our life. Um, it's, it's something that, that we didn't expect. 
And it's something that should have changed the trajectory and the course of your life. Maybe being here today, maybe you're new with us and maybe somebody just invited you to church and you're like, yeah, sure, I'll come, whatever. But this is an interruption in your week. It very well may be. Maybe an interruption in your morning and all of that. And, and I get that. This is, this is different, if you will. But following Jesus is such a big interruption in our life in general, like period. You could almost define coming to Jesus and following him as the biggest interruption ever in your life. And, and his call for us to follow him and our response changes everything. It changes the trajectory of our life. And maybe God does enter your life in a way like the emergency broadcast system right that just comes across as this big like Wah! and that's how you kind of feel like Jesus interrupted your life in that way shape or form and and who knows maybe that's you today maybe that's you right now I hope that you're listening up here for a second because there's a very good chance that in this room some of us need interrupted by God right now and so I hope that you'd be open to that interruption in this moment but maybe maybe it's been something a little a little more quiet Maybe it was something a little subtle that, that pulled things out of the ordinary and pulled things out of the ordinary so much that, that you decided to, to start following him through the series of, of a few different things. Whatever the circumstances are, whatever the circumstances that, that you're in, whatever volume it is that you hear his call, the question really is, will you respond? And how will you respond to that? If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke uh, today. And if you've got the Bible app, you can uh, follow along with me there. Um, And uh, as we get into Luke 5, Jesus' life was full of interruptions. If you read through the Gospels, you read through the stories, his life was full of interruptions. And we're going to explore a lot of those interruptions over the next four weeks here. Um, But first, we really need to see Jesus as the interrupter. Jesus is an interrupter. In your life, he has been an interrupter. Uh, And at the time when he was walking this earth, Jesus was the master at interrupting the status quo. He was the master of that. He challenged the religious leaders. He he challenged the, the cultural norms of I'm supposed to be here, but I'm not gonna be. And you're not supposed to talk to these people, but I'm gonna. You're not supposed to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, all of those kinds of things. He was there for the hurting and the sick people that he wasn't supposed to be around. He interrupted the status quo in so many ways to the point where he also interrupted death. Which we, which we celebrated and celebrate every single Sunday. He interrupted death. So Jesus is an interrupter. And for each of us as believers, we know, or at least we should know firsthand, the tendencies that Jesus has to interrupt us on an individual level. Because I guarantee you, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has interrupted you in some way, shape, or form on an individual level that's a different story for everybody here. We sang about different stories in our life today. And I hope that you have a story of Jesus interrupting your life. And if you don't, I hope today, I hope right now, is that is part of that story. So in, in the passage we're going to look at today, we see uh, Jesus calling his disciples. 
And so he had no, this was the first of him calling his disciples, this story. And so he needs to borrow a boat from Simon Peter, as we'll see at the beginning of the passage here. And he's, uh, he's got a lot of people gathering around to listen to him talk. And so while he didn't have a sound system or anything like that, he, he, he decides he's going to get in the boat, push out into the water a little bit so that more people can hear him teach. And then we see what happens here as he tells Simon to throw his fishing nets out and begrudgingly Simon responds to him. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to start right at the beginning of the chapter here in verse 1. It says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee, by the way, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats and left there by the fishermen who were washing their net. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. You know, we often have an idea. We have a plan. We have this way of how things ought to go. And then the unforeseen happens. The variations to the plan happen. And we have to kind of recalibrate. And we have to reset from that. Because let's call it what it is. The circumstances are never ideal. They are never ideal for an interruption. The only reason that Peter did what Jesus asked in this moment was because he believed in Jesus. Like you can almost hear the begrudging nature of what he's saying there because the circumstances weren't right. And you could almost hear him almost kind of rolling his eyes like, listen, we have been out all night fishing and we got nothing. This is literally why we're cleaning our nets, Jesus, because we're done. But you're telling me to go out there and drop my nets again? Fine. Okay. Because you say so. Now he respected the position that Jesus had as a rabbi but there was also this tendency of, okay, we'll go out and, and do that. Because you're never going to be in a spot where you're okay for an interruption, right? You're never like, yeah, this, this would be a great time. Right now, I'd love to be interrupted right now. Like, you're never in that spot. And if you are, then it's not an interruption. So Peter didn't have this on his calendar. Let's see what happens. Verse 6. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said, to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Left everything and followed him. So the idea that these men would simply just say, okay, and immediately follow Jesus and leave everything is a miracle in and of itself, right? So there's a huge interruption right there. Like, who does that? Let me tell you the difference. The difference is Jesus. Because we can work, and we can work hard on our plans for a long time, 
with no results when Jesus directs our work. When Jesus directs our work, we see results. And they may not be the kind of results that you think you should see. They may not be the kind of results that, you know, everyone else thinks should be there. But we always miss something great when we make excuses instead of allowing Jesus to direct our work. See, when Jesus directs our work, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. Yes, a miracle happened. Yes, the nets were full. Yes, if you've watched episode four of season one of The Chosen, this is an awesome scene to watch. Straight up. If you haven't seen it, it's incredible. I would highly, highly encourage you to go watch that. But here's the thing that I don't want you to miss in all of this. And, and, and the show does a great, a great job of depicting this as well. If you watch the whole through line of the story there. That wasn't what Jesus really caught. Jesus' goal was not a whole bunch of fish. That's not what he really caught in the grand scheme of all of it. It's not what he was going for there. He had a bigger purpose than just a bunch of fish. And the same can be said for you and for me. Because his interruptions have purpose in our life. And that's something that I want you to really like Get, get that phrase through your mind right now, that Jesus' interruptions have purpose. See, Peter's reaction here, he falls to his knees. He falls to his knees in front of Jesus and he says, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. It made Peter realize his own spiritual bankruptcy as compared to Jesus. Because as compared to Jesus, he was empty because he realized who he was in the presence of. He was in the presence of God. And he understood that in that moment. Maybe not all the things, but he understood who he was in front of in that moment. And he understood who he was and who he was not. And I wonder if we realize that we are in the presence of God. See, as followers of Jesus, as believers, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, which means the presence of God, don't miss this, the presence of God is with you all the time. Do we realize that we are in the presence of God. Yes, when we come together like this and the band is awesome and all of these things and baptism is gonna be incredible here in a few minutes, you're like, yeah, I had an experience with Jesus today at Connect Church and I 100% agree with that. Do you maybe have that same thought on Tuesday afternoon after you go through the drive-thru at McD's? Right? Probably not. I don't know, it depends on what you got to eat. But the thing is... You know, like probably nothing if you went to McDonald's, but the thing is, Jesus is with us all the time. And when we realize that we're in the presence of God, what should our reaction truly be? Complete humility, falling to our knees and realizing the presence of God is with us at all times. And, 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 then, and then the interruptions aren't interruptions, are they? Their purpose they're, they're, they're the purpose of Jesus right in our face because being in the presence of God, it interrupts, it interrupts us and it forces us to see ourselves clearly. 
that who we are and who we are not when we are in the presence of God. Time in prayer, time in his word, spending time with him helps us to realize that and helps to make it more and more and more obvious to us on a regular basis how often the presence of God truly is with us. And, and then what does Jesus say to Simon? He says what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he realized, so, so many times in the Bible you see where somebody realizes who they're standing in front of and Jesus goes, don't be afraid. Because the reaction of realizing who you're standing in front of causes us to fear. And in many ways, we should. The presence of God, standing in front of the presence of God, caused him to turn to being fearful. Interruptions cause uncertainty. It, it causes us to turn into being fearful, a fear of failure, a fear of a lack of control. No one likes to be out of control. In the grammar, the ancient Greek here, literally the word means to stop being fearful. And, and it, it calms an existing fear. Peter was afraid in that moment. He was afraid of Jesus in the sense of holding him in such great awe and recognizing his unworthiness and his failure to Jesus and his failure to trust him. See, Peter was restored in that moment then and he was empowered and given divine purpose through failure. God uses failure to give us divine purpose so often. See, Jesus interrupts our lives with his purpose. He interrupts our lives with his purpose. Jesus told him to put away that fear. And God wants, us, wants to relate to us on the principle of love, not the principle of, of cowering in fear to him. Simon Peter, he's He's done. In that moment, he is done. He drops to his knees in humility. And Jesus comforts him, restores him, restores James and John, who responded very similar, and gives him an additional purpose, which is to catch people. To catch people. And immediately they follow Jesus. See, the word catch, that signifies catching something that is alive. Catching something that is alive. It isn't to bring dead people into a building. It's, it's to bring real life. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about, to bring real life. It's not just gathering for the sake of gathering. It's to bring life. And Jesus interrupts our lives with his purpose. And when we walk in them, yeah, it disrupts our norms. But when we walk in them, we see, we see his purpose. You know, living through the pandemic, many of us, many of us were, you know, having to find ways to avoid people. We had to find ways to avoid people. We were encouraged to do that. And was that cor the correct response in the moment? You're whatever for all of that. We did what we had to do because we wanted to protect others and we wanted to protect ourselves. And there was a whole lot we didn't know. And introverts around the world rejoiced. <laughs> at the fact that everybody was doing this, right? At least initially. But now, now we find ourselves in a different position because we've gotten comfortable in our habits. 
We've gotten comfortable in our excuses to not get together with people. We've gotten comfortable in avoiding others and, and, and avoiding those invitations and, and keeping our distance in many ways. Some of that for good reasons. Some because we've learned some things. Some maybe because we've gotten in habits of just this. And I guess I have to ask the question, if, if, if we've done that, if we've done that too much as the church, maybe we need to be interrupted a little bit to make room for people again. Because how are we really, really going to follow Jesus well and keep our distance from everybody? See, when Jesus interrupts our lives, we should see his purposes as more important than our own. And I'm not saying that if you're sick, just go and hug on everybody or whatever. That, like, that, this is not that kind of statement. I think you understand what I'm stepping in here. The, the idea of just keeping our distance from everybody and using those excuses, those interruptions, as like, oh, I can't because now this is the world we live in and so I don't even want to pour into anybody else at all. You're going to miss potentially an opportunity for God to use you to make an eternal difference in someone's life. And maybe even make an eternal difference in, in your life. And a blessing that you might be robbing yourself of because you don't have time. And because it wasn't on your calendar. And because it didn't go the way that you thought it should go. You know, the first defining moment of Jesus in your life is him interrupting you. This might feel like a really big interruption to you right now. You might just be waiting for me to shut up. But let me encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit for the next few minutes. Because the gospel interrupts our life and it calls us to change everything. And so let me ask you, how's it going on your own? <clears throat> Maybe you need God to interrupt your life and change some things. Because the gospel changes everything. Following Jesus is a call out of where you are. It's a call out of where you are. Jesus' interruption in your life, it changes who you were. Or at least it should. And the way in which we make decisions about things and the things we participate in and don't participate in have all to do with Jesus' interruption in our life. And so we shouldn't be shocked when he calls us to a life that needs to leave room for interruption because that's what he had to do to get to you. And maybe that's what he's doing right now. See, he modeled the willingness to pause for others throughout his life. And if we are called to be fishers of men, and we are, just like Peter and James and John, then we have to challenge ourselves to accept that and to make room for the divine interruptions in our life. And so that's the connection point for the day. The connection point is make room for God's interruptions. Make room for God's interruptions. What does that look like for you? I don't know. You're... Your, your schedule, your life is, is very different than mine. So I'm not going to sit here and try to give you some practical things necessarily in this way because I think you need to take these to the Lord. And you maybe need to open your eyes and your heart a little bit to, to where you are in things. 
because we're all busy and we've all got things we're doing. And yeah, we've got responsibilities and sure, we need to, we need to make sure that we honor those things, no doubt. But how can you intentionally make room in your life for God's interruptions? I wonder what that looks like for you. Jesus interrupts our ordinary lives and changes their whole trajectory. See, the most extraordinary interruption that Jesus offers us is our call to follow him. It's a huge interruption to everything in our life. It is. I'm not, I'm not gonna make any bones about it. It's a huge interruption to everything that you wanna do and you think you should do or whatever. It's a huge interruption to all that, but that's what he's calling each and every one of us to. He interrupted the, with the power over sin and death so that we can find restoration and we can find eternal life in him. And that interruption is really repenting from where we were to turn to him. And we don't have to have everything figured out. All we know, all we have to know is that he is Lord and you are not. We have to know that we can't save ourselves. And maybe you've heard the good news in the gospel a thousand times. It's gonna be a thousand and one right now because God created you to be with him. Listen to me. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something here today in somebody's life, in our life, in all of our lives today as we come together and we gather. God created you to be with him. Our sin, our sin is what separates us and that's what interrupts the, the, the relationship with God is our sin and there is nothing we can do about it. Our sin separates us from God and there's nothing you can do to get rid of that sin on your own. You can wash as much as you want and you're not gonna get it all off. It only takes one sin to make you not perfect and everybody has made that mistake. But because of what Jesus did, Jesus came and he, he sacrificed himself and he made himself the atoning sacrifice for you and for me so that we could have eternal life in heaven. And all you have to do is to put your trust in him and believe in him and what he did and that he rose from the grave on the third day to conquer sin and death and hell for you and for me. And there's not some magic words that you gotta say. There's not, there's not some special thing that you gotta do. In fact, baptism doesn't save you either. It's after the fact. It's, it's following him in obedience. It's saying publicly, you're making a public display of what you already believe in your heart. It's, it's, it's a demonstration of, of what God has already done in your life. There's nothing magical in that water other than chemicals because people are gross. But the thing is, what that is, is that is a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you're willing to say in front of everyone and in front of anyone that I love Jesus and I'm giving my life to him and the representation of the washing away of our sin that is a public demonstration to anyone and everyone that I love Jesus and I don't care who knows it. And I'm following him with everything. And we've got people that are going to be baptized today. But if you've never put your trust in Jesus, if you haven't given your life to him, if you're not 100% sure, look at me, everybody. If you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven one day, you can know that right now. And you can even come up and get baptized today. I don't care if you've got dry clothes or not. We'll figure it out. I'm serious. I'm serious as a heart attack. If... If you want to put your faith in Jesus right now, we've got people in yellow lanyards that would pray with you, that would love to pray with you about that. 
But I just want to ask all of us to bow our heads right now, calm your hearts, forget about what's going on later, forget about lunch. Let's just focus on the Lord here for just a minute. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Believe that he's the son of God, that he rose from the grave to pay the penalty for you and confess that to him. You could put that in the form of a prayer. You can say that something along these lines, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I, I, I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose from the grave. Will you come into my life and save me? Forgive me of my sin. Help me to live each day for you. Just put that in your own words. You could say it in your head, in your heart to God, but say something along those lines. Admit, believe, confess. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Confess that to him. And if that's you, if you put your faith in Jesus right here, right now, would you look at me? Would you just look me in the eyes right now if that's you? If you made that decision right now, you could, as soon as we lock eyes, you can put your, put your head down. If you made that decision right now and you want to get baptized right now because that's the next step of obedience in him, when I call everybody up to get baptized, come on up with them. Come on up with them and get in line and, and we'll make it happen. Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. I thank you that you interrupt our lives in amazing ways. I know that all of us here didn't maybe expect the kind of interruption that your Holy Spirit is pushing into this room right now, but Lord, we want more of it. And so, Father, I pray that you would continue to move powerfully through this place. I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that maybe they made that decision, maybe they're on the fence about making that decision, and I pray that, that they would, that they would get the understanding that they need, that they would get the questions answered that they need to get answered. That we're not just flippantly, emotionally doing something, but Lord, that we're intellectually as well understanding what we're doing and coming to you. And, and, and Lord, that you're interrupting lives and changing lives forever. God, today is the day of salvation and I pray that you would continue to move through this place. Lord, for all of us, I pray that you would continue to interrupt our lives. Help us to make room in our life for whatever it is that you want to do in our life. Help us to be open to that, to have our eyes open to see that. Lord, do that in my life. Do that in everybody's life that struggles there. I pray that we can be the church even more as we're out in this world. Lord, there's 167 hours outside of this hour that we can make a difference for you. And so, Lord, interrupt our lives so that we can because we live in a world that needs you so much and we have an opportunity at every turn. So, Father, use us. I pray that you would bless those that are gonna get baptized today. We're so grateful that we can celebrate with them now. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.